Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. Everyone knows the importance of matzah, the food that we eat on Passover, the avoidance of chametz. The difference between chametz and matzah is that they both have flour and water mixed together, but the chametz is allowed to rise. And the matzah is left the way it is, flat, without any leavening or souring because it's baked immediately after the dough is formed. And the Torah, when it talks about the importance of eating matzah and making sure that the matzah is really kosher, that it's not leavened, the Torah uses the expression, you shall guard the matzahs, guard them, which means you should makes sure that nothing is going to happen that will make the mixture of flour and water into chametz. However, our sages tell us, and Rashi, the great commentator of the Torah, cites this teaching, that the word matzos in Hebrew can also be read mitzvot, because Hebrew letters in the Torah are without vowels, just consonants. The vowels are there but only in our minds, it was passed down orally what the vowel should be. But the way the Hebrew words are written in the Torah, the words are written without vowels. So you could really read a word several different ways because you could just put in your own vowels. And indeed, the rabbis of the Talmud are telling us that this word, matzot, matzos, depending on your pronunciation, could also be read mitzvot or mitzvot, the commandments, the precepts. And the lesson here is that we're supposed to guard the mitzvahs. And the way Rashi puts it, a mitzvah that comes to your hand, don't let it become sour, which is another way of saying don't procrastinate. Don't push off the observance of a mitzvah. You have an opportunity to do a mitzvah, do it right away. Simple example would be, you know someone is in need of help, of assistance, of charity, and you could say, well, you know what, tomorrow I'll get around to it, I'll do it tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, I'll write out a check then. No, if you know about this need and you have the ability to give, do it right now. Don't make the mitzvah sour. Yes, the mitzvah will still be a mitzvah, but it will not be the perfect mitzvah. So there's a parallel that's drawn between matzah which is one specific mitzvah, and mitzvot, and all the commandments. So the question that one could ask, why was matzah chosen to be the paradigm for all the mitzvot? Why couldn't we have learned this lesson from another mitzvah? So one approach to this is based on the teachings of the Arizal, the great Kabbalist who lived over 400 years ago, who was recognized as the greatest Kabbalist of all times. And he says something very radical, that if a person is conscientious on Passover not to partake of any chametz, any food that has an ingredient in it, even a minuscule ingredient of chametz, we're not allowed to eat that. And even if it has that minuscule amount of chametz, we avoid it. We avoid possessing chametz in any amount. The more conscientious we are, 
the more it will protect us throughout the rest of the year that we won't succumb to our temptations, we will not transgress. In other words, matzah has the power, if the matzah is done properly, to reinforce our spiritual resistance, our immunity to negativity, to evil, in a way that no other mitzvah possesses that power. So this is how we understand the reason why the Torah picks on matzah to teach us a lesson about all the mitzvot, not to procrastinate, is because matzah has the power to reinforce our observance of all the mitzvahs, of all the commandments. However, this doesn't really answer the question. It just transfers the question to the teachings of the Arizal. Why is it that matzah in particular protects us throughout the year, protects us from succumbing to whatever negative behavior because we ate matzah and we were conscientious about it during Passover. Why matzah in particular? We don't find that our sages should tell us or the Arizal should tell us that if you observe the eating in a sukkah during the holiday of Sukkot, that will protect you the rest of the year from transgression. Or if you hear the shofar in Rosh Hashanah, as important as the shofar is to arouse us to repent, to return to God. Nevertheless, it doesn't say that if you heard the shofar in Rosh Hashanah, that will protect you all throughout the year. It's said only with regard to matzah. Why matzah more than anything else, more than any other mitzvah? What is essentially the difference between chametz and matzah? The difference is minuscule. Because if you look at the ingredients for chametz, it's just flour and water, no different from matzah. And this is, there's a myth that in order for something to become chametz, it has to have yeast in it. That's not the case. Sure, yeast would make it chametz, but just flour and water that is allowed to remain unchecked. You don't do anything with the flour and water for 18 minutes, and other opinions says 24 minutes. By definition, that becomes chametz. It starts to rise. You don't even see the rising. It's imperceptible. But there's a leavening process, a souring process, a chemical process that happens within that period. And if you don't bake it in time, it will be chametz, and it will be absolutely forbidden on Passover. The antithesis of matzah, matzah and chametz are identical in their appearance even. You ever buy a box of matzah and it will say not for Passover use, and you wonder, it looks like matzah, it tastes like matzah, so it must be matzah. No, it isn't. It's matzah, but it's chametz matzah. It's not a kosher form of matzah. So what's really the difference between the two? Why does the Torah consider chametz to be so reprehensible during Passover and matzah is so desirable? So our Hasidic masters, based on earlier sources, tell us that matzah symbolizes humility because all it is is flour and water and there is no airs about it. It doesn't blow up. It doesn't inflate. That means you're dealing with a mindset, an attitude of humility. Chametz, on the other hand, starts to blow up. It starts to expand. That is a symbol of an inflated ego. And the Torah wants us to know that we have to make sure that our ego is in check, that we should have matzah and not chametz. Even though there's only a very, very slight difference between them, but that slight difference means everything because once the ego gets 
into our system, it could lead to everything negative. When a person doesn't want to share their own resources with others, it's because they're selfish. What does selfishness mean and where does it come from? It comes from an inflated ego. It comes from chametz. When a person transgresses and doesn't follow the Torah's commandments, it's because they feel that they don't have to do it. God will accept them the way they are. I'm perfect the way I am. That's an inflated ego. We could go on and on describing how virtually every transgression, everything we can do wrong, of course, I'm not talking about things that we do wrong by accident or people never learned, people who grew up in a non-Jewish environment and never knew about the religious obligations of a Jew. But I'm talking about someone who's aware of these obligations and chooses not to keep them and succumbs to temptation. Most often, invariably, it's because they have an ego problem. They have a chametz problem. And that's what Passover is about, to try to get us off this ego trip. And that's why the Arizal says that if you are very conscientious on the eating of matzah properly, getting rid of the chametz, making sure that there's not a trace of chametz in your home, that will protect you the rest of the year. Because when your ego is in check, it will strengthen your ability to do the right thing, to make the right choices, and to resist doing the wrong things. So now we can understand why the Torah uses the guarding of the matzah, protecting it from chametz, as the paradigm for all the mitzvahs. That if you should learn from matzah how important it is not to procrastinate, because matzah symbolizes really the underlying power behind observance of all the commandments. Because when you have a matzah personality, you will be strong and resistant to all negative things. And therefore, you will resist postponing doing a mitzvah because you realize the importance of the mitzvah and your own personal interests. I'm, I have more important things to do. I'm lazy, whatever the excuse will be for postponing. When you have the matzah attitude, you are humble and submissive to the authority of God. And therefore, you will not want to delay performing the mitzvah. But we can go a little bit deeper into the association of matzah to all the other commandments, the association of a ego in check and all the other commandments. Because we can assume that the person who procrastinates may be lazy. Maybe they're not so excited about the mitzvah, and therefore they feel not moved to do the mitzvah, but there could be another reason. There could be a reason that is based on a spiritual justification for delaying the mitzvah. When a person has an opportunity to do a mitzvah, let's say you want to help someone, you're called upon to help a needy person, and you say to yourself, why should I do it now? My heart is not in it now. I'm busy with so many other things. My mind is preoccupied with who knows what, and they're important things. We're not talking about frivolous things. And therefore, if I'm going to go to my neighbor or whoever it is that's poor and talk to this person and help him, it's going to be without my full heart in it. 
My mind is not going to be in it. My heart is not going to be in it. It's not really the way I would want to do a mitzvah. I want to do the mitzvah in a way that is really beautiful, that is really wholesome, and something that resonates within me. I have a passion for it. So I'm going to postpone doing the mitzvah until such time that I could meditate on the importance of the mitzvah. I could really put a lot of emphasis on doing the mitzvah properly. So I will delay the mitzvah. And this is where the ego comes into the discussion as well. Because if you're waiting that the mitzvah resonates within you, that you feel comfortable with the mitzvah, you feel excited about the mitzvah, then if you really think about it, that mitzvah is tainted with your ego. It has a little chametz in it. It's still a mitzvah. Still do it, of course. But it's tainted. It has some chametz in it because... You're focused on yourself, on your understanding, on your feelings, and your excitement about the mitzvah, and not on the needs of that poor person. And I'm using the poor person as an example, but this could apply to any mitzvah, mitzvahs that relate to our relationship with other people, or mitzvahs that relate to our connection to God. That any time we postpone it, not out of laziness, but because we want to do the mitzvah in the most perfect way, and therefore we're going to postpone doing it, that might be a reflection of this ego that doesn't allow us to do the mitzvah without the preparation that we think we would rather engage in. A person who has a checked ego, who's humble, will say, God, what do you want me to do? You want me to help that other person? You want me to study Torah? You want me to, to pray, to daven? I'm not going to postpone it. I will do it when the opportunity comes to me. That is the reason why we learn this mitzvah, procrastination problem, that we should avoid that from the mitzvah of matzah because it is based on humility. Now, it's interesting that Rashi, when he quotes this teaching that you should not postpone a mitzvah, don't let a mitzvah go sour, guard the mitzvahs, Rashi uses an expression, a mitzvah that comes to your hand, don't let it become sour, don't delay it. What does he mean by that, a mitzvah that comes to your hand? He could have just said, Whenever you have a mitzvah, don't delay doing it. What does the mitzvah coming to your hand mean? Perhaps what Rashi is trying to tell us, that even though the only part of you that will be doing the mitzvah is the hand, the physical aspect of your being will do the mitzvah, but your heart and mind is not there. But even if the mitzvah comes to your hand, don't delay it with the argument that the mitzvah will be more complete if I postpone it. No, don't delay doing a mitzvah. If there's a need right now, take care of that need and worry about your feelings about this mitzvah later. Our sages teach us that God commands us to do all these commandments, all these mitzvahs. He himself does them as well. Whatever God tells us to do, he performs as well, of course, in his own way. For example, the Talmud says, just like we wear tefillin, God also has tefillin. Our tefillin contain scripture, portions of the Torah that declare our belief in the one God and our commitment to observing all the commandments. Well, God's tefillin has a proclamation about how he 
considers the Jewish people to be one nation on earth, how much he loves the Jewish people. So God has tefillin, of course, not the physical tefillin. God has nothing physical to him. But the idea of tefillin that we have, God also has. So if there's a mitzvah for us to redeem the captives, one of the forms of charity is redeeming a captive. If you know someone is captured, is kidnapped, and you can ransom that person, you have a mitzvah. In fact, the Talmud says it's the greatest form of charity because when a person is captive, their very lives are in danger. So just like we have a mitzvah to redeem captives, God also has a mitzvah to redeem the Jewish people from exile, which is a form of captivity. And yes, even the exile, which is benign, like the one we're in, we have a free country, nevertheless, we're still in a, in a form of existence that we can call exile because we do not have the holy temple and there are people who are still suffering and there's pain in the world and there's anger and hatred in the world. So we still are prisoners of sorts and God needs to redeem us. And just like God says, don't procrastinate. If you have a mitzvah, do it now. Don't delay it. Don't postpone it. We say to God, God, and God loves when we argue with him, God, you have a mitzvah. You have to redeem us. And you yourself said not to procrastinate. So don't procrastinate and bring us redemption. Bring us Mashiach. But then God could argue back and he could say to us, but one second, my heart is not in it because your heart is not in my commandments. You're not doing everything I want you to do. So I don't feel this warmth to take you out of exile. Therefore, I have to wait until my heart will be in it. Aha, so we say to God, God, in your own Torah, in Rashi's comment, he makes it clear that even if the mitzvah has only come to your hand, you can only do the mitzvah without the feeling, without your heart being in it, you still have to do the mitzvah. So God, the mitzvah of redeeming your children has come to your hand. You can do it, and your heart will be in it later. You'll catch up with it later. That is the lesson from guarding the matzos, guarding the mitzvahs that we have and that God should reciprocate. We ask him, we pray to him with all due respect, God, take us out of exile, bring us Mashiach and bring us the final redemption. Thanks for listening to the Rabbi Greenberg Show.